Hello, and welcome again to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I am Chris, go AU fur. With me this week is Blake, Iowa Gopher. Howdy. U Street. Hey, y'all. And Andy, Gopher Guy 05. You used to throw to me first, now you throw to me last. Do you not love me anymore? Well, well, I was kind of hoping we'd have this conversation offline, but no, I no longer love you. If that, you know, costs me the free lodging on your couch, then I love you again. I'll think about it. Okay. Um, I can provide gifts of candy. Will you be in a van? No, this was already getting creepy, and now you're talking about vans. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher, where we do not talk about vans and candy and creepy things before ever getting to gophers. But we are going to quickly talk about baseball before getting to gophers, because we all just wanted to check in and make sure Blake was doing okay uh, now that Cleveland is no longer in the Major League Baseball playoffs. You know, it's, uh, I appreciate the thought. I, I'm glad you guys are looking out for me wanting to see how I'm doing. Um, I've recovered well. Uh, obviously, disappointing result, not what anybody wanted. Um, obviously, we we're hoping World Series, and that just didn't happen. Um, <clears throat> simple case of, you know, the stars didn't show up. Their best hitters, you know, Francisco Lindor, Zay Ramirez, just, you mean, I think they maybe had between them two or three hits over the whole series. So, you know, credit to the Yankees. They're a good team. Um, I don't like them at all whatsoever. I think the majority of America doesn't. Uh, a little disappointed with the Astros right now. I uh, wish they'd take care of business, but... You know, at least it doesn't appear like the Cubs are going to advance, so there is some silver lining. But, uh, you know, I'm hanging in there. Uh, there's always next year. Uh, you know, forget the fact they haven't won a World Series in 70 years. Um, they forget the fact they've lost, you know, three World Series in my lifetime. Um, I'm also a fan of for football, you know, so that's where I can get positives from in life because they obviously they bring a lot of positive memories into my life. And clearly I make smart choices in the sports teams I root for. So I uh, got a bright future ahead of me. I know that, so... Hey, you know, you'll always have Major League and Major League Two. I, Major League Two is not as good as the first one. I, it's just basically the first one, just kind of a retread and just wait with weird uh, additions. But I, Major League One is classic, so I always I always have that. And we obviously won't get into Major League Three. I pretend that it doesn't exist. Yes, there is no Major League Three. There's no buzz. Hey, Corbin Burnson has to have a job somehow. Wait, they brought Corbin Burnson back for Major League Three? I believe he was the only one they brought back. I mean, everyone needs to make a living, okay? Good God, like of all the characters they could bring back, that's the only one they brought back. Well, they didn't get Wesley Snipes back for the second one. I mean, then you got, you're down to Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen. I mean, those guys are going to... Charlie had to go do two and a half men 20 years later, and then who knows what Tom Berenger's doing. Yeah, now that you mention it, the, the second one's probably worse than i remember it now that you point out that wesley wasn't in it i forgot it was omar epps yeah right is that who they had yep that's who they had it's bad okay yeah and omar epps outside of anything that's loving basketball really not doing it for me how 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 dare you smite the uh japanese big ball walk down to home run trot what <laughs> There's a Japanese player in the Major League Two that does the move with uh, his big balls, big testicles. Oh! For a second I thought you were about to describe an Omar Epps movie, and I was like, what Japanese big ball movie? What? I was very confused. Very, very confused. Andy's just, his mind, I don't know where his mind's at tonight. It just seems to be going down the wrong avenues, so something to keep an eye on, I think. 
Hey, all right, we're four <laughs> minutes in and we still haven't talked about the Gophers, so maybe we'll make this the transition point. Uh, and we'll come back to getting weird at question time. Illinois. Illinois is bad, friends. Really bad. I just finished doing uh, the Minnesota Nice Q&A podcast with Brandon Burkhead from the Champagne Room. And I, I tried to leave plenty of openings for him to get some positives in there. I certainly didn't try to make it into a, a an Illinois bash fest or anything. And Brandon's a, a fairly optimistic guy and certainly you know a more upbeat person than many Illinois fans. And he just couldn't bring anything but bad news for for uh, the Illini. So Illinois officially not good. Minnesota really just needs to win. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Blake. Give me some of what you found out about Illinois when you forced yourself to read about them this week. Um, I can confirm as bad as things appear to be at Minnesota, they are significantly worse at Illinois. Um, they, their quarterback this, to start the year was Chase Crouch, and then over the first four games, <clears throat> excuse me, he threw four interceptions and one touchdown, which is maybe not so good. So they replaced him with uh, sophomore Jeff George, in two games, he's attempted 83 passes, so they're throwing 40 times a game, these two last two games. Um, he's got a pretty decent amount of passing. He's about 500, 554, so not bad. But he's also thrown five interceptions to two touchdowns. So things really aren't going well with either quarterback. Um, so the passing game maybe isn't there. They do have some good receivers. They've got a freshman, um, Ricky Smalling, who's actually been pretty good. Uh, they got two upperclassmen, um, Mikey Dudek and Malik Turner, two guys that I feel like have been there forever. Uh, but apparently Mikey Dudek, um, I think he had, I can't remember what his injury was from this last game, but he's doubtful for this Saturday. And even if he is um, ready to go, I think he'll be pretty limited. Um, and, that, and also uh, they have, they had a starting freshman running back. who was pretty good. Mike Epstein. Um, he's hurt and out for the season. So his backup is also another freshman named Rayvon uh, Bonner. He had an okay game against Rutgers, but I mean it was Rutgers, so um, I would hope the Gophers people have a little bit of luck with him. So they do catch a break with Epstein being out. The quarterback play is not very good. Their offensive line, I think, has four of the five starters are a, are true redshirt freshmen. They've even pushed out. They had two multi-year starters that were up class, upperclassmen that after the first couple of games they shuffled things around to insert these freshmen into the lineup. Um, they've actually fared somewhat well since they made that shift. I think they had two rushing yards against Iowa, which is not really a small task. Um, they've only allowed, I think, two sacks over the last two games, which is Rutgers and Iowa. So um, take that for what you will. But obviously they're super young on offense and not having a ton of success. Um, on defense, they're allowing 197.2 rushing yards per game. So you would hope um, Rodney and Shannon are going to have uh, some space to run wild on Saturday. Um, to make matters worse, their top two leading tacklers, both linebackers, uh, Delshawn Phillips and Trey Watson, um, were injured against Rutgers. Their set, their status for Saturday is uncertain. And evidently, if those two are out, they only have like four or five scholarship linebackers healthy um, for Saturday. So they're also dealing with some depth uh, injury issues there. So um, you would think the Gophers would be able to kind of penetrate that defensive front. Um, I mean, obviously, they've had some mixed success so far this season, even against some um, not-so-good defenses. So hopefully they can kind of figure things out. Um, but we'll see. 
Um, they also are allowing 224 passing yards per game, so teams aren't just running down their throat and not really passing the ball. They're also getting beat through the air. Um, I think they also have two true freshmen starting in the, in the secondary at safety and cornerback. Um, and also they have had a lot of trouble um, with mobile quarterbacks, keeping them in the pocket and preventing them from extending plays. So if Demery Croft is the starter for the Gophers on Saturday, um, that's going to work out pretty well in Minnesota's favor. So on paper, this seems like a slam dunk, um, but obviously the Gophers have been burned in the past when it comes to um, on-paper matchups. So, I mean, anything can happen, but it's it's okay to feel at least somewhat confident going into this because Illinois is very young and very not so good so far. So, All right, so let's just – Let's just hypothesize in the negative. If we lose to Illinois, what should we be drinking? And I'm going to start us off with, uh, Andy, what are you going to drink if Minnesota loses to Illinois? Battery acid. Um, Pure sulfuric acid. Basically anything that your chemistry teachers wouldn't let you play with in 11th grade because you might do something stupid and try and hurt yourself. So, you know, you've got a good wide variety of options there. All right, Street, uh, how about you? What would you be drinking if Minnesota loses to Illinois? The kind of moonshine where you take a sip and then several weeks later you wake up in an abandoned alley and think, you know, fine. Blake, what would you drink uh, if we lose? I'd say for the for the second time in three weeks, uh, I have a wedding on Saturday. That's when I'm a groomsman in. So this does work out somewhat fortuitously for me. So if they do lose, I'll have immediate access to – I don't know the open bar situation. I don't know if it's open bar. Hopefully they have a couple kegs. If they do lose, I can just get blitzed and whatever, just take whatever they hand me. Uh, if they do win, you know, I can celebrate with a couple drinks and kind of just wash it in and complete the day. It's already going to be a good day with the wedding. So if they go for a good victory, then it's kind of a complete day. So it's kind of the perfect scenario for me. So what, it all depends on what's at the bar. So we'll have to wait and see. Blake, I'm just going to briefly interject. You are a groomsman in this wedding? I am, yes. And you are unaware if it is an open bar or a cash bar? I, I as, as we're recording this, I realize my failures. I've asked plenty of questions so far but clearly not the correct one why would you be a groomsman to someone who is clearly a bad friend in that you even have to conceptualize maybe this is a cash bar uh you know these are the kind of questions that uh keep me up at night um just making friends people that for one thing that make weddings on saturday in the fall um so obviously there's a lot of uh a lot of questions I need, a lot of reflecting I need to do on my choices and my friendships. And obviously the, the question of whether it's open bar um, is just another reason for me to do some reflecting and I'll probably shoot off a text here in the next few minutes to confirm um, the status of the bar. So we'll see. I'm not clear if this makes me a, a bad person or not, but that was actually the very first thing that came to my mind when you said you weren't clear. I was like, wait, you agreed to be in it without having like one of the first three questions be what's the bar situation? We all make rash decisions, um, and that's that's what I'll chalk it up to, I guess. <laughs> all right, um, oh God, I mean, I just—it's kind of—it's almost kind of hard to talk about Illinois when they're just so clearly bad, and we really should win. I guess the only other question I have for everybody is. 
you know, what's the big thing you're hoping to see? If Illinois is as bad as we hope they are, and Minnesota is, let's assume, able to play with some success or, or lots of success, you know, what one area are you most hoping to see improvement or success in? And I'll start with Andy. Uh, I think twofold. Offensively, I'll be very disappointed if we don't see some semblance of a positive running game this week. Um, you know, Blake laid out the stats earlier. Illinois' running defense is terrible. Um, so I want to see our offensive line getting pushes and actually creating some holes for uh, Rodney and Shannon because they've done, you know, decently at times this year where they've had to do all the work themselves. So just think what they might be able to do if they actually got some holes created for them. Um, secondly, I think, you know, assuming Demry Croft plays a majority of the game, which even though P.J. Fleck won't say it, I think we all agree that that's probably going to happen. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he keeps the ball a few times on some um, run option, if that opens up the running game somewhat, um, making Illinois actually have to account for a running quarterback as opposed to a quarterback who is going to hand the ball off every single time. Um, and then defensively, I'd like to see us try and be a little bit better stopping the run. Uh, our defense has been sort of much parting like the Red Sea the last few weeks on the running game, and this is the last, I'll say, fairly easy running opponent we're going to see for the next, well, pretty much the rest of the season. Uh, Wadley in Iowa is much better. Michigan seems to have found a running game. Uh, Nebraska can run the ball. Northwestern has Justin Jackson. They can run the ball. And Wisconsin might run for 350 yards if our run defense looks like it has the last few weeks. So uh, run the ball, stop the run, do both those, and I'll be a little more confident going into the last few games of the year. Street, any one area that you're really hoping to see Minnesota succeed in? The areas Andy identified would be the obvious ones. So to pick a less obvious one, what I am hoping to see against Illinois is a absolutely punishing pass rush from just the front four. If that occurs, then I think I'll be reasonably confident about this game. If this is a game where Rob Smith has to send a lot of additional pressures, then I will be relatively disappointed. Blake, you threw out a good question into our Slack chat. Given how young Illinois is, what do we think Lovey's going to be able to do over the next couple of years? Will he be successful? I'll take a stab at answering that one first. Honestly, no. I don't think Lovey's going to succeed at Illinois. I'm not seeing... I'm just not seeing anything from him that makes me think long-term he's going to be the answer for them. It's it's really hard um, because they're clearly in a, a very big rebuilding mode, so I don't want to overemphasize the struggles they're having this year. But at the same time, I mean, his recruiting isn't anything special, and they're not apparently developing guys in a way that, that has me... I don't know, really afraid that Illinois is going to become a force. Honestly, I think Purdue is the team that you have to watch out for much more than Illinois uh, going forward. That would be my take on it in the West. Um, Street, I mean, what are, what are you thinking? Illinois going to be a, a force at any point under, under Lovey? Is the question, are they going to be a force or what is Lovey going to do in the next couple of years? Okay, so you don't think they're going to be a force. What do you think they're going to do under Lovey? 
Well, Lovey's just going to cash checks for a couple of years until he gets laid off. Just, I mean, I, as I said prior to this recording, I cannot name a single player on Illinois' football team, and I am a highly paid college sports blogger. It is difficult... <laughs> It is difficult for me to imagine a worse situation than the one that Illinois has, short of major sanctions. There's no interest in the program. Fan apathy is at an all-time high. They're in an area that is heavily recruited by lots of other programs. There are multiple other Big Ten programs in the state. The offense itself doesn't seem particularly interesting. The defense is legitimately starting a guy who is listed at 215, which means if he's 200 pounds, I'll be shocked, at the defensive end position. And the only reason I know that, because as I said, I can't name a single player on this team, is I just looked it up. That's really bad. That's really, really bad. If I had to, if I had to think of a similar situation, this is really, is honestly what I'm coming to, army in the mid to late 2000s when they were so putrid at all facets that even watching the army navy game wasn't really that fun so i i it's hard for me to imagine any scenario that isn't lovey smith makes a lot of money for himself which gets yours lovey and then is let go because illinois decided they really want to push something i'm just gonna throw out the uh Mini Nuke Launcher Sound, brought to you by Fallout 4. Alex is getting pretty good at that. Andy, I'm going to slightly tweak the question for you then. Um, who's better in three years, Rutgers or Illinois? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I'm going to go with Rutgers because I think Rutgers, for as bad as they've been, has a more fertile recruiting area. Um all the rest of the Big Ten has been feeding off of New Jersey players for the last, well, 30, 40 years, honestly. But all Wisconsin do is get New Jersey running backs who end up coming in and running for 2,000 yards a season. So I think Rutgers will be able to finally get some of those kids to stay home. And so I think they will uh, they will be better off than Illinois. The thing you have to look back at Illinois' history is, except for a couple of years under Ron Zook, when was the last time Illinois was really good? I mean, a good season for Illinois was seven and five. I, I, I except for you know the one Rose Bowl year under Juice Williams, which you know Ron Zook found a nut hiding around the back corner of the house. When was the last time Illinois has been good? Illinois has been just another mediocre program. Now you know, in, throw insult in there was the last time Minnesota was good, but we're not arguing whether Minnesota is going to be you know a power like. Everybody thought Illinois might be under Lovey Smith, which obviously is not happening. So, um, long answer short, Illinois is going to continue to suck for a while. Blake, good question. Uh, bringing out the Illinois bashing. It's always a bonding moment for any blog. I don't know, half-season grades. We're six games through the regular season. It's about time for us to kind of start throwing some arbitrary letters next to things, because... We're bloggers, and that's content, and it's what we do. So real quick, um, let's just start with coaches. Um, you can respond to this any way you want. If you want to break it down and go through individual coaches in the handout letter grades, you can do that. 
If you just want to look at offense and defense, if you just want to do coaching staff as a whole, I'm going to leave it up to you. Blake, coaches, how would you grade the coaches after uh, six games into their first season at Minnesota? To be honest, I mean, I'll give them grades, but it feels at this point like they both deserve incompletes because clearly they don't have the players they need uh, to run the systems they want to run. Um, I think both have tried to adapt, and we've seen a lot of mixed results as a result. Um, for Rob Smith on defense, I'll give him a C plus B minus just because they had a phenomenal first three games. Then they lose, you know, Duke McGee, Antoine Winfield, um, and the defense obviously looks they're they're not fundamentally sound. I don't think the, the past couple of games. So uh, those first three games, I think we were thinking A minus B plus, um, but I've just been very disappointed with how they performed. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. I mean, obviously it it, it falls on him. Um, but I, just, I think C plus B minus is the best he can get. As for Kirk Shiraka on offense, um, I will lean towards giving him a C just because I haven't been all that impressed with the offense. I mean, with Rhoda, he looked okay those first three games, and he's just looked not so good the past couple of games. I mean, leading up to the fourth quarter against Michigan State, um, they'd been limited to like three field goals and two touchdowns against Purdue. They they held scoreless at half after halftime other than the field goal. Um, but again, I don't know if that's all on him um, because he's the players he's had to deal with, and it's just the first six games of his tenure. Um, but again, he's also accountable. So, um, And I, we've seen the frustrations with the, the RPO with Rhoda and not attacking the edge on offense, so I'd give him um, just a C because I just have not been that impressed. But I'll have to, have to take into account what he's had to deal with. So, um, Street, what are you thinking for grades for the coaches? I agree with you that they probably get incompletes at this point. It's hard for me to say that the coordinators are doing a great or terrible job because while people don't like this as an excuse, there is definitely a lot of they don't have their right players, they don't have the right scheme, and that is actually important. Until they get their players and are able to put their vision in, it's hard to tell how good or bad the offenses and defenses are. Especially because the primary weaknesses in the offense are weaknesses that we expected going in, offensive line and quarterback, the two most important positions on the offense. On defense, because of injuries, that's also been a little in-depth in general. It's been a little bit hard to evaluate. I think also that Rob Smith should not be fully responsible for people's inability to tackle on occasion. In addition, though, Rob Smith is also not responsible for having to constantly scheme to defend a short field, which the Govers have found themselves in. So that's the coaching, the coordinators. Fleck gets an A because... I think that the overall point of being a head coach and what he is doing in that regard from a recruiting perspective, from a general rah-rah perspective, from integrating the football team with the rest of campus life seems to be great, and that's generally what I think a head coach should probably be doing. I will add, if we're giving grades to coaches, that Matt Simon deserves an A triple plus, and the position coaches otherwise deserve incompletes. I'm going to hand a check minus to Bryce Pop. I don't have any specific reasons. I just wanted to hand out a check minus. Everybody else gets E for elite. 
and I'm going to move us on to breakout players. Let me start with offense, and I'm going to ask the question, not who is the breakout player on offense, but does anybody have, would anybody answer this question with somebody besides Tyler Johnson? No. Nate Wozniak. Yards after catch. For real, or is it because I'm forcing you to try to come up with somebody besides uh, Tyler Johnson? I think, yeah, because you're forcing me to come up with someone besides Tyler Johnson because he's been the engine of the offense for six games. So, Andy, anybody going to make your breakout list besides Tyler Johnson? Yeah, no, Tyler's definitely the only one who would be the uh, top of that list. Although, you know, for as much as we've appreciated what Tyler's done for us so far this season, he's still getting absolutely no national attention. Uh, the Athletic put out their Big Ten mid-year all-Big Ten team and, and game-breakers and things like that. and But uh, 2,500 words in the article, and Tyler and Johnson were not two of them. So, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily think he might make one of the teams, but, you know, I think he'd at least mention the guy who's got, you know, was it six, seven touchdowns already this year? Uh, but, nope, nary a mention, so it's okay. We'll just continue to fly under the radar here. That's actually a good question. I would have guessed it was more than that. Is it only six or seven? Six, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. See, there you go. You get three touchdowns in a single game, and suddenly I think you have, like, you know, nine on the year or something. So, goes to show. Um, breakout player on defense. What do we got? Blake? I really like Thomas Barber at linebacker. I'm just uh, – the idea next year of Coughlin – Barbara Martin being your starters linebacker, just that's incredible to me. I think that's the best starting three we've had in a long time. Um, but <coughs> Thomas Barber is just, I think, the of the three that came in with the least amount of uh, maybe hype as a recruit, and he's just been super solid. I mean, in coverage, he's a little shaky, um, just because I think he's the biggest of the group. Um, but so far, he's just been all over the field, and I'm excited to see um, what the next two and a half years bring with him. So he's definitely been my breakout player on defense street who you got yeah i'll second everything blake said there <laughs> okay, andy um you know i would definitely agree i'll i'll throw carter coughlin into the mix i think he's definitely played that rush end spot uh, about as well as anybody could have asked him to um he's really stopped the run i think a little bit better than a lot of people had hoped um although the entire defense hasn't stopped the run well, but it hasn't been because Coughlin's out of position or anything like that. Um, I think, uh, you know, definitely Barber and, and, and Martin, all three linebackers have really looked uh, good this season. And as as Blake said, you know, they're only sophomores. Getting two full years of the three of them across our 4-3 our set is going to be really exciting. Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about Carter and then Andy. <clears throat> Andy said Carter, and then all of a sudden my cat started chasing her own tail, and I got distracted, so I don't have anything to, to add on that. Moving on from football, the hockey team split over the weekend. Um, Andy, you and I got to watch Friday, which was a thing and was totally exciting and super not frustrating whatsoever uh, from a fan perspective. I actually didn't catch any of Sunday's uh, game, but obviously Minnesota came out on top there. What were some big takeaways for you uh, after the first series of the Big Ten season? I think some big takeaways are going to be um, the freshmen 
are stepping up right away. Um, Casey Middlestat was basically the only thing the Gophers had going on offense Friday night. Uh, in fact, it looked like at one point they were all deferring to him and letting him basically captain the team up and down the ice. If it wasn't him breaking into the zone, nobody was really doing it. Now, the the offense was hampered last week because Tyler Sheed, senior captain, who was the uh, eighth leading scorer in the country last year, was out with an undisclosed injury, and sounds like he won't play again this week, which is not great. Um, so that definitely didn't help. But uh, then you had uh, Brandon McManus scored his first three collegiate goals all in a row in the third period on Sunday uh, to put, lead the Gophers to a 6-3 win. So the freshmen are definitely stepping up on offense. Um, and that's a good thing because they're going to need to get scoring from from all three, all four lines, if they want to continue to uh, stick near the top of the Big Ten so far this year. What are your thoughts coming into UND? Do you think the Gophers have a shot at taking a sweep, looking for a split? Kind of how how are you feeling coming into the weekend? You know, they they always have a chance at a sweep. I mean, if 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 Sheehy and it sounds like Scott Reedy missed who missed Sunday's game, uh, he took a slash at the end of Friday night's game. Aren't going to play. That definitely doesn't help your offense as you're losing two of your top nine forwards automatically. Um, as it was last year, it'll come down to the play Eric Shearhorn. If he can stand on his head, he can definitely steal you two games. Um, but there's no reason to think the Gophers can't you know, easily go in and, and still find goal scorers to win a 5-3 game one of the nights or something like that either. Um, now, a whole other argument is nobody in the Twin Cities here is going to be able to watch the games unless you want to pony up for streaming rights, which are not cheap. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I'll be I'll be a little disappointed if the Gophers don't at least get one win out of the two games this weekend. Anything about what you've seen so far against uh, Penn State in the Big Ten season kind of change your opinion of how the Gophers will probably fare overall uh, at the end of the year in the Big Ten? Not really. It's still early. Um, Like I said, they looked terrible Friday night. They looked much better on Sunday. Uh, Nobody in the Big Ten so far is blowing the doors off. Wisconsin Ohio State split a series um, the first week of the year and I don't even know if Notre Dame and Michigan, Michigan State have played a Big Ten series yet this year. So um, it's it's going to be a three- or four-way battle for the top. Minnesota will be in there, Penn State, Wisconsin. Um, Ohio State might sneak in, Notre Dame. So it'll be a, it'll be a battle. They're going to have to find ways to, to sweep some series. Splitting series every single weekend isn't going to cut it. But um, if they can get everybody back healthy and get everybody playing, uh, back at the level they need to by the time you know around Thanksgiving comes around they've got only one more Big Ten series um, before Thanksgiving I think and that's Michigan State which should be a sweep so uh, they definitely have time to figure out all the kinks before conference play starts the women swept Bemidji State over the weekend um, remind me I, I know I asked you this when we were tailgating on Saturday does Bemidji State still have that one goalie who absolutely just kills everyone or did that goalie graduate I think she finally graduated now of course I'm blanking on her name since you put me on the spot so this is going to be horrible podcast audio but um, I think she finally graduated and you'll see Bemidji State take a step back as she was really the player that 
made them be a threat to uh, defeat some of the top teams this year. Um, the Gophers seem to get things put back together. Uh, they get UMD this week, which will be another test to seeing right exactly where they are, if they can get a sweep against Duluth. Then, you know, I think the ship's been righted and everybody can be a little more confident about the rest of the season. But if they uh, if they either split or, or, or drop both games to the Bulldogs, then uh, I think you can start uh, throwing up the warning flags on this team this year. Rachel, unfortunately, was not able to join us again due to her schedule, but she's recorded a segment for us talking about uh, Minnesota volleyball and how things have been going for them. Checking in with volleyball, we're in the fifth week of conference play, so we're just about to the midpoint. Minnesota looks like they're in good position right now in the standings. They're tied for third at 7-2 and two with Michigan State. Penn State and Nebraska are both 7-1, and one, which... Minnesota won't get a chance to avenge the loss to Nebraska, but they will face Penn State for the regular season finale. So there's still a chance Big Ten race is not decided yet. Minnesota's recovered nicely from their two losses to Nebraska and Michigan State. Since then, they beat Iowa twice. They went on the road and beat Wisconsin in five sets. And otherwise, they've swept Michigan, Purdue, and Ohio State. This week, Minnesota's fifth in the AVCA pool. Some little shuffling, Nebraska loss to Wisconsin, and Florida actually lost, so they're no longer undefeated. This weekend, though, Minnesota only plays one game. They place number nine at Wisconsin, number nine Wisconsin at the PAV. In the last match, went five sets in Madison. Alexis Hart was incredible, 24 kills. Jasmine Martin and Stephanie Samity were great as well. On the other side of the net, Dana Retke led Wisconsin with 19 kills and five blocks. Coming into the matchup, Wisconsin is 5-4 and four in conference play, which is a little shocking, but they kind of got shafted in scheduling. They've had to play, or they will by the end of the season, have played Minnesota, Michigan State, Nebraska, and Penn State all twice. So unless everyone else loses a couple more, Wisconsin probably won't be a factor in the conference race towards the last week, few weeks. Uh, previewing the match, um... Minnesota looks good. They've been on a nice little run, picked up some wins. Uh, key thing, Jasmine Martin seems like she's kind of turned a corner. She didn't have a great match against Iowa this weekend, but she's played a lot better those, these last few weeks. Alexis Hart has been incredible. She does a great job putting the ball away when they are in system, and otherwise she just doesn't make a lot of errors, which that'll be key for all the hitters. you got to hit good shots sometimes you can't always hit a great shot so when they're in system swing away when they're in transition or not a great set you got to be conservative keep it in play and also you got to think about when right keys in you know much bigger blocks it may not be as easier to hit around or it. on the other side of the net if minnesota can serve tough can i keep wisconsin from running their offense all the time and also be important to just they can keep everyone except Retke in check, which is kind of what happened the last time. Retke had 19 kills. A couple other girls might have had double-digit kills, but they were also a lot of errors. So if Minnesota can just keep those other hitters uncomfortable, keep them from getting in a rhythm, should be a good match for the Gophers. So a reminder, the match is Saturday at 7.30. Not sure if it's sold out or not. Wouldn't surprise me if it is. But if not, you can catch it on BTN. 7.30, Saturday night. 
Thanks again to Rachel. As always, please make sure to check out the previews and recaps she's been writing uh, for us at The Daily Gopher. It is question time. Uh, as always, if you have a name for question time, you should submit it in the comments. If not, I'll just keep asking. Question number one. Who is excited to see Geostorm? I'm incredibly excited to see Geostorm. Are you actually incredibly excited to see Geostorm, or did you just take pity on me after all that silence? No, I'm incredibly excited to see Geostorm, and here's my reasoning. So I don't know if you've seen the latest ad for Geostorm, but there is a bit of this ad where they're in some country, probably uh, Japan or China, and this man is buying eggs in a market and he is hit by something and the eggs crack open and immediately become perfect fried eggs and it cuts to the dude's face and he's like oh no as if this is super scary whereas i'm sitting here being like look it's taken me years and my fried eggs still kind of suck if i can create a world system <laughs> Then in the span of two seconds gets a perfect fried egg. I'm hoping that's the entire plot of Geostorm. It's just like a really weird like Gordon Ramsay kitchen nightmares for two hours. See, this is where your brain goes and my brain goes. They've created a scene where the dude isn't hopping up and down screaming about how much his feet hurt because of how hot the ground is. And instead is standing there flat-footed wondering, hmm, eggs getting fried. Yeah, there there are some inconsistencies related to. I assume they're just microclimates. <laughs> but wait, so hold up, microclimates as in six inches in front of my feet, it can fry an egg, but back six inches, it's totally cool. Yeah, if I can control the weather, presumably I can control exactly where the weather goes. I think that's the plot of this movie. Like someone is doing this for evil, and Gerard Butler has to stop them. <sighs> In the alternate universe, U Street would be using it to fry eggs perfectly. I think the only proper way to watch Geostorm is to wait until it's inevitably on FX. Because I feel like that's just that movie was made for that channel. I would like to see what kind of drinking game you could put together for Geostorm. I think you could come up with a pretty ridiculous one. Actually, that you know what? That leads me to my second question for question time. What is the worst movie you or television show you've ever created a drinking game for? And I'll start, because I think you guys didn't know that was coming, and you'll need some time. Mystery Alaska. Does anybody remember Mystery Alaska? Yes, I do. Yes. For those unfamiliar, Mystery Alaska, the plot of Mystery Alaska, and I don't really remember it that well, but there's a place called Mystery Alaska, and they have a, I don't know, a town hockey team. And for some reason or another... I don't remember the details. They invite the New York Rangers to come play them in Alaska. Frankly, the why isn't important. The important part is that we created a drinking game that had, you know, take drinks for ice and puck and shot and goal and Rangers, I think were the five that we picked. Something to that effect. Actually, they don't say any of those words all that much for like the first three quarters of the movie. Like a little bit here or there, but for three quarters of a movie that we didn't care about at all, we created a drinking game that didn't involve us drinking, and it was horrible. And then they play the New York Rangers, and suddenly it's 
the Rangers take the puck down the ice, shoot, goal, goal Rangers. And in, you know, six seconds you have eight drinks. So we went from having nothing to, you know, rolling on the floor, passing out with alcohol poisoning because the last 15 minutes of that movie. It wasn't especially well planned. Does anyone else have a terrible drinking game related to a movie experience to share? Yes, the movie Batman and Robin was specifically created for drinking games. I'm trying to remember the specifics of it, but I know there's at least you had to take a shot every time you saw a nipple on a costume. Um, I think it was two shots for... for a sh- wait, ho- ho- hold on. Shots or drinks? I, I'm pretty sure it was shots. And then there's a... Dr- oh, God, they're looking to kill you. It was a drink for every time you hear an ice pun. Mr. <laughs> that, that's all Mr. Freeze. That's all Arnold Schwarzenegger Mr. Freeze does throughout the whole time. I'm trying to remember the other specifics, but just as that movie just feels like it came off an assembly line of these these things need to fit this criteria to become a drinking game. Because that's the only way that movie would sustain itself over 20 years. So that's that's the go-to movie for me. Andy, any uh, movie drinking games you want to share? Not movies, but uh, there was one incident late in college where I'm not proud of that uh, somebody got the entire series of Saved by the Bell on DVD. And uh, we definitely watched about 10 episodes of Saved by the Bell. And the thing that makes it even worse was we were cleaning out whatever random liquor we had at the time. So we definitely were playing the Saved by the Bell drinking game with red wine. That was a mistake let me tell you what were the what were the rules i feel like did they change per episode or did you keep a consistent rule set i think they're consistent i honestly don't remember because i'm pretty sure i blacked out after about episode six because there was it was basically every time they made fun of screech you had to drink and every time zach freezed you have to drink and every time slater called jesse mama you had to drink and so on and so on and so on so basically you were downing about a half a bottle of wine an episode so it was a, uh, it was a lot of drinking <laughs> i like it because i love saved by the bell as terrible as saved by the bell was it's has a special place in my heart street can you tap any of those well, I don't know if I can top any of those. None of mine involve nipples or red wine. However, uh, the the one that I can remember was... Did anyone get the, the channel PAX? For, for us, it was like Channel 3. It's a channel that I'm led to believe is basically only watched by like 74-year-old retirees. And for some reason... On weekends, my junior year of college, uh, we found that we had access to this channel that we didn't expect it wasn't part of our package, and that it was showing a huge marathon of Walker, Texas Ranger. So we watched several episodes, and you took a drink every time Chuck Norris did one of the following three things. Either Roundhouse kicked someone, obvious, punched someone, also obvious, or made a general commentary about some social fact. For example, there is an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger where Walker pretends to be homeless to try and catch these people who are going around beating up homeless people and then filming themselves doing it. These like three rich teenagers. It is a nonsensical episode for so many reasons. But there is legitimately a point at the end of the episode where they're all sitting around a table and Chuck Norris has a line that's basically, 
Homelessness is a real problem. Someone should do something about that. And every one of the table's like, yes, I agree. So you drank it that much. <laughs> now I feel like I want to watch MacGyver and create a drinking game for MacGyver. Don't ask me why. Somehow you talking about Walker, Texas Ranger made me think about MacGyver. And I feel like there's, there's some good drinking game rules to be created for MacGyver. All right, if you're listening, uh, put in the comments if you have a great drinking game that uh, for a TV show or, or movie. Love to hear more drinking games related to media that we have not perhaps participated in. All right, so let's close out with predictions. I already gave my prediction for Illinois in the Game Center Brew Prediction Fear Scale post, uh, 27-13. Minnesota coming in right on the... Uh, Right on the spread, pretty much. Let's just go around and see what everybody else has to say. Andy, what's your prediction? Uh, you know, I think the Gopher offense is going to be able to turn it around this week. Um, I mean, Rutgers scored 30-some points against Illinois last week, and they aren't haven't really shown any high-power offense in the rest of their games this season. So uh, I'm going to predict the Gophers turn it around. I'm going to go 42-17 Minnesota. I like your score better. Street? 28 to 3, good guys. Blake? Uh, in my preview, I said Minnesota 35, Illinois 21. That's what I'm sticking with. All right. Well, hopefully the weather is uh, better than last weekend. Uh, I don't want everyone who is at the game to have to deal with two rain games in a row. So cross your fingers, hope for clouds and, and, and no rain. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, I think we will hopefully have plenty to look forward to coming off of Illinois and maybe have some more optimism to pick up uh, wins five and six and get to that bowl game. In the meantime, go Gophers, Sky Yuma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.